This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Business of football. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to week two, episode two of our Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast on the business of football. I'm Dan Roberts, and this week we're getting into the sponsors, the big, powerful corporate entities that are in bed with the NFL. They include Anheuser-Busch, Bridgestone, Campbell's, FedEx, Frito-Lay, Gatorade, McDonald's, Microsoft, Nike. These are big, blue-chip American brands that consumers know and in some cases trust. And these brands have decided that they believe in the staying power of the NFL. Some of them are newer to the league. Uh, Some of them have been sponsors for years and years. But they all believe that it behooves them to be tied to the NFL. And the question we want to examine is, for how much longer will that be the case? We have a saying in our office, uh, a billion eyeballs is a billion eyeballs. And as a marketer, that's a dream. And so it will always continue to garner attention from the marketers, primarily because it garners that much attention from the fans. That was Elizabeth Lindsay, a managing partner at Wasserman. And she manages their NFL partnerships. So she works with these brands on strategizing how they'll activate their NFL sponsorships each season. She's our guest today, so stay tuned for that. Now, we're talking about sponsors. It's important and useful to start with some numbers for context. Uh, as we've said on this podcast before, the NFL is likely to hit $14 billion, with a B, in revenue this season. Now, more than $1.5 billion of that comes from its sponsors. Now, that is not a figure for what the sponsors spend. They spend much more than that. But of the NFL's $14 billion in revenue... More than $1.5 billion come from the money that sponsors pay the league. What do the sponsors spend? Much more. Uh, marketing experts like to say that, in general, this doesn't just apply to the NFL. Uh, big brands spend an additional $3 in activation for every dollar they spend to get a sponsorship deal. Activation, uh, sort of an industry term there that refers to everything under the sun that represents marketing, that represents activating and using and promoting their sponsorship, uh, reminding you, the football fan, that they are an NFL sponsor. That can be signage in the grocery store, the big display you see when Tostitos has a a game day display with plastic and cardboard footballs and players and bags and bowls and jars of salsa. That can be TV ads, digital ads, videos that go viral, tweets. All of that is activation, radio, uh, live events that they might hold. Tostitos might set up a Uh, a table outside of Gillette Stadium and give out free chips and salsa to fans before the game. All of that is activation. So if a brand, let's say McDonald's, pays $1 million one season to be an official NFL sponsor, supposedly they spend another $3 million to activate and make good use of that sponsorship. Pretty interesting. And it's hard to question the value of these sponsorships. Uh, Certainly we've seen that Some NFL-related ad campaigns have been duds. Some of them you forget about. Some of them slip into the ether. But they have the potential to really become lasting, memorable campaigns that uh, football fans, even the average casual football fan, always remembers. Uh, How about Budweiser? It's had hit and hit again and again, not just during the Super Bowl, but we remember, what up? That was a NFL Budweiser ad. Uh, We remember... True, true, fans calling each other. What's up, man? Just sitting on the couch having a butt. True, 
True. That was an NFL Budweiser ad campaign. Uh, Peyton Manning, to name another example, a football player that many different brands have clung to, even after he has retired from the league. Papa John's, MasterCard, he has hawked all manner of brands and uh, with much success. We all know what, uh, what this tune is now. Unfortunately, <laughs> I say unfortunately because I'm a, I'm a Patriots fan. I'm not a big Peyton fan. But he has been like advertiser slash endorser candy. And boy, that is an NFL-related ad campaign, that nationwide jingle, that people will remember for years and years to come. So my point being that it's easy to see the perceived value of spending big to be adjacent to the league, to be a brand that is instantly associated with the NFL. Uh, to run through some of these brands just once more, I, I named a few earlier, but we've got Anheuser-Busch InBev, and AB InBev is just a, a huge beer giant, uh, owns something like 49% of the U.S. beer market, probably owns a number of beer brands that you don't realize are Anheuser-Busch owned. Uh, Bose, we've seen a number of football players be in Bose ads, wearing the headphones. We have Bridgestone Tires, Campbell's Soup, FedEx, Frito-Lay, Gatorade. Then a bunch of cars, bunch of car brands, Ford, Hyundai, GM, uh, McDonald's, then Tech, Microsoft, uh, Sirius Radio is an official sponsor, Ticketmaster, Verizon, Visa. So you start to see that in all of the major industries, in all of the major business categories, there are companies that see the NFL as the marquee sports property. And it makes sense. Uh, let's zoom in on, on one example. I just mentioned Campbell's. And if you look at the political news from just a few weeks ago, three weeks ago as we're recording this, uh, there was a two-day period in which a number of CEOs of big companies all resigned in a rush from a President Trump manufacturing council. Now, I don't want to get political here, but, but here's why this, this example matters. A number of them resigned, but you know it was still a, a sort of slow trickle, and, and you didn't necessarily think yet that the entire council was going to dissolve. The final key domino there was when Campbell's gave in. Uh, Campbell's released a statement in the morning on a weekday and said, here's why our CEO is not resigning from the council. And then in a matter of hours, had to do a 180, and the CEO said, okay, I'm resigning from the council, and then the entire council was disbanded. And the inciting event there was social media users, people on Twitter, people on Facebook, posting publicly shaming Campbell's, saying, you know, leave the council. I'll never eat Campbell's soup again. I'll never buy your products. And that's what moves the needle. And, and that's when uh, an NFL scandal will actually matter in a business sense, is if and when people turn their eyes to the sponsors. But typically that doesn't happen. So I mentioned that the NFL makes now more than $1.5 billion in revenue from its sponsors. Uh, that is a number that has steadily gone up over the years. Uh, in fact, it, it hit a record high last season, even as last season the league struggled with a ratings decline. So what I wanted to ask our guest today, Elizabeth Lindsay, is do we see any ceiling on this? Is there any time on, on the near horizon uh, at which sponsors might not see the NFL as being as valuable to them? We hear a lot of noise of how 
other sports leagues that are coming up, growing really fast. Uh, Major League Soccer, growing fast. The NBA has gotten a lot of credit as being uh, a really progressive, terrific league. They do a lot right on social media, really gaining steam and, and nipping at the NFL's heels. Might there be a time when big, blue-chip American brands that spend a lot to be a sponsor of the NFL look elsewhere? To answer these questions and more, we've got Elizabeth Lindsay of Wasserman. Here she is. Okay, I'm joined by Elizabeth Lindsay, who is a managing partner with Wasserman. And Elizabeth works with uh, many of these big NFL sponsors, Microsoft, PepsiCo, Nationwide, which I always, of course, associate with Peyton Manning still. And I'm not so a, a lot of people. Peyton fan. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I'm a Patriots fan, but we'll get into all this. And uh, let's start this way, Elizabeth. You know, the sponsorship interest in the NFL just seems to go up every year. You notice that sort of the stalwarts stick around, the McDonald's, the GM, the Fords, and then every year new brands that maybe didn't do anything in NFL come along. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any limit on, on the interest here? I mean, can we just expect football to continue to devour everything? Football is football. It's a phenomenon. It's a juggernaut. We have a saying in our office, uh, a billion eyeballs is a billion eyeballs. And yeah. as a marketer, that's a dream. And so it will always continue to garner attention from the marketers, primarily because it garners that much attention from the fans. You know, the big thing with NFL and media coverage, I always talk about how it seems to me the only sport that dominates news headlines all year round. It doesn't matter if we're in the football season and not just sports headlines, but the entire news cycle. I mean, NFL scandals on and off the field get such major coverage. And I'm always wondering about how that affects sponsors and their attitudes toward the league. Mm. Uh, You know, you see something like the issue of head injuries. And there was a recent report where they tested 111 brains, 110 of them had some kind of CTE. Does this ever make sponsors a little bit more wary? Do they Mm -hmm. say, you know what, let's back off a little from the NFL or no, no, no? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. You had to back up a little bit and give a little credit to our friends at the league. This is a blessing and a curse that they brought upon themselves. They went on a very concentrated effort many years ago to make NFL a calendarized sport. They talk, right. they market, they sell themselves as 24-7, 365, oh, yeah. and they will sell you a calendar wheel of opportunities, everything from combine to draft to off. I mean, they plan for it. So with that and the positive side that comes from that from a marketing perspective, the potential of attention to the negative issues that they're facing comes as well. So marketers, yes, they pay attention. They watch uh, and they carefully plan their investments accordingly, but they really choose to focus their interests on the excitement, the exciting action on the field and the fans engagement with that action. To a certain extent, the rest of it is for the league to handle and the brands that uh, that work with the league trust them to do so. When you're advising these companies, how do they arrive at okay, who's the right guy, the right fit for us, or maybe the ones that they don't say let's do an endorsement deal, they do something more broad? So first and foremost, we say this about football or any sports investment: don't start there. Put that aside for a second. Start with your brand. Who are you? What are you trying to say? Who are you trying to reach? And then we'll figure out from that point who best matches that. So there's a ton of work that we do with our clients. We have proprietary tools. We have a system called Unlocked. We have syndicated research. We do a lot of things to help match the right brand profile of an athlete or a sport with the brands that we consult with. So there's a lot of science that goes into that, 100%. But the mistakes are made, and we work very hard to counsel our brands not to make those mistakes. The mistakes are made when it's a, when it's a sport in approach as opposed to a brand out. It's irrelevant. 
what brand you sponsor, what athlete you sponsor. If it's the right match and it's the right affinity for your consumers and your brand, then everything else can be worked around that. Is there any company uh, for whom it isn't the right match with football? I mean, is Always. there any company that shouldn't be associating itself with the NFL? It's with not a good fit. With football specifically? Yeah. Um, I'd have to think about that. Football is so broad and so diverse from a, an audience perspective. Um, you'd have to stop and think about that for a second. But I will tell you, fans do understand the concept of inauthenticity, and sports fans in particular. And you can smell that from a mile away. Uh, with all due respect to my friends at Buick, no one thought Tiger Woods drove a Buick when he was in those ads. Right. Nobody believed that. So you've got to be very careful to match that appropriately because pissing off a sports fan, they get pretty vocal yeah. when you are inauthentic about something they're so passionate about. Are there occasions when you've had to, mid-season, advise a client to change something up? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they, you either see that their ad isn't working or mm -hmm. it's being uh, taken over sort of by social media. Sometimes you see social media has a great tendency, sometimes a great comic effect, mm -hmm. uh, to take a, an ad campaign and kind of make it a meme and, mm -hmm. and sort of ruin it. Uh, how, how can you do that, switch things up midway? Forget mid-season, try mid-game. Right. So we actually I'm being a little a little facetious there, but we the best marketers pay attention in the moment. They're watching it not to watch the game, but to watch how their fans watch the game. And if you're going to be authentic, you're going to pay attention to what they're asking for from you. You pay attention to certain rivalries that start midseason. You pay attention to uh, certain streaks that start to happen and you respond. Is there an NFL ad campaign either? by a client of yours or not in, mm -hmm. in recent years that, that you often point to as a, as a pet example of a success? Super Bowl babies got to me. When they had the Super Bowl <laughs> babies ad, that was pretty ingenious. On yeah, that was NFL, NFL too. Right, right, right. That was well done. Uh, you know what? I give Nationwide a lot of credit for the work that they do with Peyton Manning. Uh, I think all of us have probably sung about chicken parm in our head a few times as a result oh, of those of those uh, uh, those clever jingles. That was an example of the right guy at the right time. It was a proper selection for Nationwide. I think they're continue, continuing with them, and they put a lot of thought into that. It's not just about insurance. It's about continued retirement and planning, which is where their brand is. And, uh, and he's a perfect ambassador for that. A lot of these sponsors, obviously, that you work with also advertise with other leagues. I mean, McDonald's Absolutely. is everywhere. Uh, Microsoft is in a lot of these leagues. And when they come to you and they're trying to review their strategy for mm -hmm. the upcoming season, do they often ask you know, here's what we're doing in NBA. How should it be different in NFL? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, what are the nuances there in terms of different approaches for the different sports? Because, you know, there's one way in which you say, look, uh, the American sports fan is the American sports fan, but then definitely there's a different profile for the hardcore fans of each major sport. Mm -hmm. Well, I would even take it a step further than that. It's not just a different profile for the hardcore fans of every sport. A Jets fan is going to be very different than a Giants fan period. Okay. Then you go back and look even at the Jets fans. We do a lot of work on consumer segmentation for our brands. A Jets male fan is very different than a Jets female fan. A Jets Gen X fan is very different than a Jets millennial fan. So you have to take it all the way down to that level and focus on that degree of specificity in order to be truly successful. I'm glad you mentioned women. Uh, I think that the NFL has clearly visibly tried to do more to mm -hmm. court female fans in the last few years but also could do a lot more. Uh, what's the discussion there? How do sponsors feel about that? How are they trying to make sure that they reach female NFL fans? 
It's a problem for all sports, quite frankly. And truth be told, it's a problem for the sports industry. Like I'm a senior leader in the sports industry. I'm female. I think I'm one of a small minority. Let's put it that way. It needs to grow. Um, I think what properties like the leagues and the teams are starting to realize is that you can't just market to a female fan the same way you market to a male fan. It's we're well past pink it and shrink it. Like, let me take oh, an NFL yeah. jersey and make it pink and smaller, oh, and boy. I'll send it out the door, and I'm done. Or these events that teams have had where they say it's Women Day, and they and they do, you know, nail care. Let me care. teach you how to cook. Oh, yes. boy, they have events at the stadium. You've seen these. I think it was uh-huh. the Bears. Or some team got in trouble for saying, oh, come and you'll get free makeovers. And yes. they say, no, I, I just want to come and I be watch a football fan like everyone else. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think they've gotten past the patronizing marketing tactics of come and let me teach you football. It's like, back up a second, buddy. I could probably teach you a few things about football. So I think they're past that, right? I think the leagues and the teams have finally woken up that that is um, a a long-gone marketing practice, let's put it that way. But where they need to go for the next evolution is that specificity of how you target a fan and what you say to a female fan. And I think that starts, quite frankly, with people in the office. You need to have people on the marketing team and the sales team and the front office that are diverse. And this isn't just a female issue. It's people of color and LGBT community and women. You need to have those people represented in your organization because then that will be represented in how you market and sell your organization to the fans and they will respond. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's not just at the last step. It needs to be bottom up, you know, from the foundation. 100%. It needs to be real. Yeah. And this is really a a larger, uh, you know, business and, and C-suite problem that we've talked about in, in corporate America for years mm-hmm. now. So no surprise that it relates to football. Uh, now, of course, when you try to specifically market to certain demographics, mm-hmm. I mean, that can backfire. Absolutely. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Sports fans, more than anybody else, will smell inauthenticity a mile away. A mile away. Yeah. I remember an ad campaign for a brand that will remain uh, anonymous because uh, I still value them greatly, <laughs> um, where someone in the advertising community inadvertently took a, um, a golfer, an image of a golfer for a digital ad campaign, and they didn't like the aesthetics of it, and they just sort of flipped it around the image and moved it to the other side of the screen, inadvertently taking who was a very well-known left-handed golfer and making that person right-handed because oh, they just flipped it. And it's a, the, a tech issue. Yeah, and the brand didn't. I mean, the brand didn't didn't catch it before it went out the door, and the advertising agency didn't have any clue that they had done that. They just thought, oh, it looks better over here. I'm going to move it, and uh, and it was a major PR issue we had to deal with because we were trying to put ourselves out there as, as that brand, saying we know the sport and we know your passion for this sport. Oh yeah, but I just made that guy a righty. Sorry. Oh. Right. Boy. So you have to back up from that. You have to pay attention to little details because um, sports fans are passionate, which makes them slightly unforgiving. You were mentioning earlier uh, Nationwide and its success that it's had with Peyton Manning. You know, you said right guy at the right time. Uh, of course, the risk for brands when they do advertising around one person is if there's an off-the-field mm-hmm. issue and, and, you know, sometimes that can really blow up in their face and they have to pull mm-hmm. ads. Do you find that in general in the last few years, uh, advertising around one star, you know, the traditional athlete endorsement, mm-hmm. is sort of fading or, or it's getting less popular because it seems like the risk continually is just too high? I don't think necessarily that that marketing tactic is fading. I think what you're seeing is people are getting a lot smarter about it. We used to talk about something that a phenomenon that happened inside brands that we affectionately refer to as execuwim, which is my CEO is a fan of so and so, therefore we sponsor so and so. And it happens without a lot of thought. That didn't happen nearly as much as it used to. 
right? People are getting smart. They're doing their research. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a shared equity situation. Your brand values are going to rub off on the player and vice versa. So do your research, do your homework, pay attention, and study it. Let's talk briefly about how new tech has fragmented television Mm -hmm. and how that affects advertisers. Uh, We hear so much about advertising on Snapchat, and actually Mm -hmm. the NFL has had some success and and has gotten some praise for its Snapchat Discover channel. Mm -hmm. So with these new avenues for advertising, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, uh, how does that change the strategy for the biggest corporate sponsors? Well, the ones who are paying attention, and I can't say all of them are, but the ones who are paying attention as well as they should, they begin to realize, and it's very, very true, fans' passion for the NFL is not going anywhere. Fans' consumption habits of how they choose to watch the NFL is going everywhere. It's all over the map. So if you are paying attention, the the passion is still there. The audience is still there. The channels you reach those audiences through are diverse. And I mean diverse within the advertising space, everything from linear broadcast to streaming, OTT to Snapchat, Twitter, and others, but also even beyond traditional media investments in sports, There's a 360 campaign that has to go around it. When you suggest that not all of the companies are paying attention to these changes, Mm -hmm. I mean, what will it take? I mean, look, I I don't mean to disparage those. I think some are just slower to that than others. I mean, obviously, the tech brands are very well aware of it. Um, And then you see the B2B brands becoming more aware of it because their fans and their customers are aware of it. So it'll slowly get there. Five years from now, from an NFL perspective, the marketing around the NFL will be more diverse. The audiences we're targeting will be more diverse period. That'll be interesting to see what that looks like. Absolutely. Great. Thanks. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, that was great. This week, we're talking about sponsors. We're talking about the fact that the league, every season, and more so than ever before, deals with all wide range of scandals, big and small. Uh, Boy, if you are a user of social media, especially Twitter, it starts to feel like these stories are so big and so important and like they're national news stories. But there is definitely an echo chamber that that happens on social media. And that's what I want to address. Uh, Put aside head injuries for a moment, which is certainly it's hard to argue that isn't a, a major medically significant, important story and problem with pro football. But put that aside. Everything else, everything that becomes a a major story on social media, whether it's something serious and important also like a player involved in a domestic violence case, whether it's something like the league doing or allowing something offensive or a broadcaster saying something offensive during an NFL broadcast, whether it's players kneeling to protest the national anthem, which is becoming a a really loud uh, narrative. In a business sense, to the bottom line of the NFL, to the pockets of the league, all that matters is if and when these scandals reach and hurt the sponsors. That's the power and the influence and the importance of the NFL sponsors. You look at the list of brands, you look at the list of many of them publicly traded companies that are NFL sponsors, and these are huge, uh, high revenue, high market cap, valuable companies. And they are not about to walk away from football. It would take quite a lot for them to decide that they don't want to spend money on being an NFL sponsor anymore. Yes, the list shifts around every year a little bit. Some of the sponsors have only been sponsors for a few years. Some of them have been sponsors for a decade or more. But for the most part, there isn't that much movement. And it's because the NFL is still the marquee American sports property to advertise against, to reach the people who watch the NFL. Ratings decline, be damned. It doesn't matter. And Unless and until, when there's a scandal, people outraged about the scandal target the sponsors. And that almost never happens. When you see people saying, 
I'm outraged that the NFL did this, or I'm outraged that the league allowed this, or Roger Goodell and the league botched the handling of this case. It doesn't matter to the financials of the league unless they say, I'm outraged, and at Gatorade, what will you do? At McDonald's, what will you say and do? Will you take a stand? Will you do more than issue a statement? And it takes a lot even to get these companies to issue a statement. And the statement is usually very cautious, and they say, we're monitoring the situation, or we're not pleased with how the league has handled X situation. But they never, almost never say, we will no longer be a sponsor of the NFL. That almost never happens. And that's what matters most to the NFL. For the ratings, it matters for the broadcasters and for their TV money, and those deals haven't changed. Even when ratings dip, uh, the long-term contracts don't change. The bad news last season when ratings dipped was for the networks. The networks had to give some free ad time back to advertisers because of the ratings dip. That hurt the networks. It didn't hurt the NFL. The league was fine. And similarly with the sponsors, if the league starts to see a large amount of sponsors walk out, that's when there's a problem financially. That hasn't happened, and it takes a lot for that to happen. I have yet to see or find an example of a time when an official NFL sponsor ended its sponsorship and publicly said the reason was unhappiness or dissatisfaction about something the league did. So keep that in mind when you see all the loud vocal noise on social media about various stories, big and small, that are negative about the league. It only matters if and when sponsors take their money and walk. Let me bring in a specific memorable example of the way that sponsors tend to react in these NFL scandal situations. 2014, Ray Rice, Baltimore Ravens running back, was caught on camera. The footage was released by TMZ, uh, assaulting his then fiance in an elevator. He was arrested, subsequently indicted. Uh, Very soon after that, same year, same season, Minnesota Vikings running back Adrian Peterson was uh, involved in in a similar case, uh, similar in the sense of involving assault, uh, actually indicted, I believe, for child abuse. He had hit his uh, child with a, a switch. And so those two incidents taken together erupted into a national news story, people criticizing the NFL over its handling of these off-the-field abuse or assault situations involving its players. What did sponsors do? How did they react? Radisson. Radisson takes this matter very seriously, particularly in light of our long-standing commitment to the protection of children. We are closely following the situation. That's what they say, closely following. It's a wait-and-see approach. They say, we're closely following, we're monitoring. When they're really upset, when it gets really bad, they'll go as far as to criticize but they don't walk away with their money. We are disappointed and increasingly concerned by the recent incidents that have overshadowed this NFL season. We are not yet satisfied with the league's handling of behaviors that so clearly go against our company culture and moral code. We've shared our concerns and our expectations with the league. Oh, that was Anheuser-Busch InBev. Strong words, fighting words, but they're still an official sponsor. Pepsi CEO Indra Nui came out and issued a personal statement herself. I am a mother, a wife, and a passionate football fan. I am deeply disturbed that the repugnant behavior of a few players and the NFL's acknowledged mishandling of these issues is casting a cloud over the integrity of the league. Yes, cast a cloud it did. And that was a strong statement. Everyone covered it. Everyone picked it up. They said, wow, here's how you know this is an important story. Pepsi CEO Indra Nui issued a statement herself. Well, Pepsi, still an official sponsor of the league. What never happens, I can't find an example, is the sponsor saying, we're walking away, we're taking our money and we're walking away, 
Sorry NFL will no longer be a sponsor. Occasionally, companies quietly fade away as sponsors. They decide to spend their marketing budget elsewhere. But I can't find a time when a sponsor publicly said, we will no longer sponsor the league at the official league sponsor level because we're angry about X scandal. Anyway, let me know what you think. Please tell me why I'm wrong about NFL sponsors and scandals and, and all of the business of being a league sponsor. Respond to us, engage with us, comment, yell at us, find us on Twitter, Facebook, or any other social media. And as for the podcast, please rate, subscribe, review us, find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, any platform where you podcast, we're there. And join us for week three of the season and week three of our podcast next Thursday. Bye.